Welcome to Back to the Basics with Pastor Jason McClendon. This program is sponsored by Crossroads Christian Fellowship, a non-denominational, conservative, and evangelical church focusing on returning to the mindset of believers in the New Testament church. The acronym BASICS, in the name of the program, stands for Believing and Sharing in Christ's Salvation. We are disciples making disciples who make disciples. And now, here is the message. Thanksgiving is a wonderful holiday. Uh, now, before we, I go on, let me just emphatically state that Thanksgiving is a holiday, a holy day. Now, we often have taken that term in modern times, the word holiday, and it has nothing to do with any religious celebrations. But this truly is a holiday or a holy day, just like Easter and Christmas. Thanksgiving is a day that literally was originally set apart to remember the blessings that were given by God. Most history books record the first formal Thanksgiving as happening in the year 1621 when a group of pilgrims had come to the United States. They shared a feast with a, a group of friendly people that they called Indians. Later on, we called them Native Americans, and in many places today, they require that you call them indigenous peoples. So when I talk about the Indians today from some of the quotes, that's who we're talking about, the Native Americans or American Indians or indigenous peoples, whatever the politically correct term of the day is. The bottom line is, at this point in time, the relations between the pilgrims that came and these American Indians that they met were very friendly, and they were very much blessed. The real story, however, of Thanksgiving actually occurred, for the first Thanksgiving, actually occurred before that time. It occurred 11 years earlier in an area known as Jamestown by the Jamestown settlers. Again, 11 years before these pilgrims came later on. In 1610, there was an extremely harsh winter, and they had 409 people in that settlement. And by the end of that winter, they had 60 people left. The rest had all died. Because of the harsh winter, they didn't have the food, they didn't have the right shelter, they didn't have the right clothing. And they spent a lot of time in prayer, asking for help, asking for God to give them what they needed. They didn't have the friendly relationship with the Indians that the pilgrims had later on. They were pretty much on their own. But after a lot of prayer, a ship showed up that brought them everything they needed. And they all survived. The remaining 40 ended up surviving and then growing from there. But they spent several days in prayer, thanking and praising God for bringing these blessings that they needed. This was the first Thanksgiving. The historical Thanksgiving that we're familiar with and learn about in the history books, again, was about 11 years later in 1621. And at this time in 1623, shortly after that 1621 one, is when Thanksgiving became an ongoing celebration. When it was uh, the governor, William Bradford, who was the governor of Plymouth, who said, you know what, we're going to take this and we're going to make it a formal Thanksgiving time that we're all going to celebrate year after year after year. He had a proclamation for this. He said, to all ye pilgrims, 
Inasmuch as the great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, beans, squash, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and as, as much as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to our own conscience. For now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims, with ye wives and ye little ones, do gather at ye meeting house, at ye hill, on the hours between nine and twelve in the daytime on Thursday, November ye twenty-ninth of the year of the Lord, one thousand six hundred and twenty-three. And the third year since ye pilgrims landed on ye pilgrim rock. Therefore listen to ye pastor, and render thanksgiving to ye almighty God for all his blessings. I am ye pastor, by the way. I like saying ye, and he said it a lot in here. This was in 1623, and this became a celebration that they did year after year after year. Throughout the next century and a half, many people celebrated this Thanksgiving. It was very specifically a time to thank God and to praise God for all the blessings that he'd given them. The United States wasn't even founded as a country yet. That didn't happen until 1776. But in 1779, George Washington also gave a similar proclamation where he made Thanksgiving a national holiday to be celebrated by every American. Again, focused on thanking and praising God. His proclamation read, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. Whereas both the houses of Congress have, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal for, uh, favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity to peaceably establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend next to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all good that ever has been, that is or that will be, that we might unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. He didn't say ye at all, a little disappointing, because it was only a short time, 150 years or so later. No ye's, but still, it was a proclamation for the entire American citizenry to thank and praise God. And that's pretty powerful. Thanksgiving continued to be celebrated throughout the years. But it wasn't until 1863 that again, Abraham Lincoln, another president, proclaimed a Thanksgiving as a national holiday specifically to be celebrated on the fourth Thursday of every November. So we have William Bradford, the governor of the Plymouth Colony, saying, hey, we're going to celebrate this, but it was kind of localized to that area. Then we had George Washington saying, we're going to make this a national holiday. I don't know what day it was, but it was a national holiday to be celebrated from then on. And then Abraham Lincoln uh, determined that it would be the fourth Thursday of every month. And today, we celebrate this on the fourth Thursday of every month. 
Abraham Lincoln's proclamation said, it is the duty of nations as well as men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations are blessed whose God is the Lord. We know that by His divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world. May we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation of a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied us and enriched us and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our own hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we've become too self-sufficient mm -hmm. to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It has seemed to be to me fit and proper that God should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November every year as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father, who dwelleth in the heavens. It's Abraham Lincoln in 1863 in the midst of the Civil War. But I want to go back and reiterate a couple of things he said because it could be that this was written today. Listen to these words. We have forgotten God. As a nation, we have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us. We have forgotten about these blessings that were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. This is exactly where we are today as a nation. When we think about these other religious holidays, I said holidays, holy days, Thanksgiving is a holy day. When we have Christmas and Easter, there is much more commercialization of all three of these holy days than there is worshiping and praising God. Ladies and gentlemen, these proclamations, they each contain something very important. But the most important thing to recognize is that they are focused on thanking God. Each of them recognized Him as the sovereign creator of everything we are, of us as a blessed people. And specifically set aside time to praise Him and give thanksgiving every year, which we should be doing every day all the time anyway. As the governor of Plymouth Colony, William Bradford clearly had much to be thankful for. Especially when those blessings came that allowed the, the remaining uh, programs to, to survive that harsh winter. George Washington is the first leader of our country. Thankful for the establishment 
of this great nation. And after the War of Independence declared that we should have a national day of thanks to God. And in the midst of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln made it a point to focus on God and recognized even then that although we were blessed, we were pulling away from him already, turning away from God in many areas. He called not just for a national day of thanksgiving and prayer, but for it to be celebrated regularly every year on the fourth Thursday of November. Today, Thanksgiving is generally celebrated with feasting and as a time for fellowship with family, which is all wonderful. Maybe watching a football game and eating pumpkin pie, turkey. But quite often, God is left out of the picture. As we focus on just spending time with family, which quite frankly, again, we should try to do as much as we can throughout the year. Always still focusing on thanking and praising God. We have these three major holidays already mentioned, or holy days, Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving. We can't allow that commercialization that we see in our modern society to be what we are celebrating. And it's upon us as Christians to make sure that we bring to the table, literally, the act of thanking and praising God. When we say Christmas, for example, do we think in terms of it being Christ Mass? Because that's really what it is. The birth of Christ. And then we've got Easter, which is Resurrection Day. The celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And that, by the way, is the big day. Because everybody has been born. But the big day is Resurrection Day. It's kind of pushed off in favor of Christmas. That, for us, should be the big day that we celebrate. But the most often way that these three are celebrated actually pulls people away from the meaning of each one of these celebrations. The birth of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and a national holiday to thank and praise God. And as long as we use it for that, as long as we clearly tie Jesus Christ to Christmas, to Easter, and to Thanksgiving, we have the opportunity to share that with other people who might not see it like that. Because generally speaking, we have the opportunity to celebrate those events with other people who might not believe in what the Bible tells us. Imagine this. Next time someone is talking about Thanksgiving, you're able to say, hey, do you know what the original Thanksgiving was all about? It opens up the door for an opportunity to discuss thanking and praising God. The Bible is very clear that we're supposed to give thanks to God. I think it's awesome that we have a national holiday for it, as long as we use it for that. But it's not just a time to spend with family and friends. It's a time to share that opportunity to thank God with them. Because without God and thanking for the blessings that we have, it's really just nothing more than enjoying what we have without recognizing the providence from which it came. Paramount is thanking and recognizing the Almighty Creator. But again, I want to give another perspective of what we can use thanksgiving for. We absolutely need to give God thanks, but it's also important 
to recognize why God blesses us. And I have to tell you, if you're sitting in this room right now, or if you're watching this online, you have been blessed by God. Every single one of us has. In fact, one thing that, that I often find myself saying now when I hear about a problem or I'm having an issue myself is, well, that's a first world problem. Why am I complaining? My car is not working. Well, one of my cars isn't working. And some people don't even have a car. My air conditioning is out. Some people don't even have air conditioning. I need to vacuum the floor, clean up the floor, and some people live literally under floors, even in today's modern age. We even have some of that right here in San Antonio. So we truly have been blessed, and we need to recognize that. We need to give God thanks. We need to understand why we've been blessed. And, and yes, he loves us, and he wants to take care of us. But why does he often give us more than what we need? It's not so that we can be selfish. He gives us more than we need so that we can bless other people. The scripture reading today from 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 15, I'm going to read it again very quickly. But now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, who will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Listen to this. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is why we are blessed. So that we can bless others. Which is what Thanksgiving is all about, for real. We're blessed. We thank God. We give thanks for that. And then we use the blessings to give to other people. God gives us the resources so that we can build his kingdom. Now he gives some of us more than he gives others. But regardless of how much we have, we simply have to recognize that we are simply stewards of what he still owns. The money I have in my bank account is not my money. God has given that to me to steward, to take care of my needs and then build his kingdom, at least for a Christian. Because one of the attitudes for people who are not followers of Christ is everything I have is mine. But if you're a follower of Christ, we're supposed to put him and his needs above everything we have. And he says, I've given you all of this. Now what are you going to do with it? God gives us these resources so we can build his kingdom. In this passage that we just read, the, the scripture reading, Paul tells the Corinthians, again, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So the purpose of the blessings God we have gives us, that we have, is to bless others. When Paul says through us, he's talking about the people who are using the money to build ministries. It's not the prosperity gospel. Okay, We're not talking about God giving us things and wants to bless us because we deserve a jet or because we deserve to live in a huge house, multi-million dollar mansions, have 12 lakes, lake houses. God isn't giving us all of these things to be selfish. He's giving us these things to bless others and thank him for it. In Ephesians 5, 15 to 20, we're told, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, 
making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we sing, even if we're off-key like I was twice up here starting that song, it's a joyful noise unto the Lord. So we are blessed by God, so we can use these blessings to help others. And we're supposed to make the most of every opportunity we can to do this. We share with others, physically and spiritually. In other words, we share the gospel with them. We make it clear why we're sharing with them. We're not just giving out resources. We're saying we're sharing these resources that we've been given by God to bless them so that they can thank God. And that cycle continues where we share the gospel. They become Christians. They share the gospel. Other people become Christians. And the kingdom of God is built on a daily basis. <coughs> Excuse me. We make disciples. They make disciples. We make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And the number of people who are being blessed and the number of people who are thanking and praising God grows exponentially. God does not bless us because we deserve it. Because quite frankly, we don't deserve anything. God blesses us because he is generous. God blesses us so that we can bless others. And if we sit back and think about how much God has blessed us, we can't help but think about how generous we should be towards other people and how thankful we should be towards God. And this, brothers and sisters, is the meaning of thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We come before you today with humble spirits, remembering that you've given us so much more than we deserve. We thank you for these blessings, and we ask that you open up our hearts and our eyes so that we can see those blessings and see how we can use them to bless others. And as we move forward, we ask that you continue to bless us, increasingly so, so that we can use your resources to build your kingdom. All of this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, running a ministry is not free. There are many costs associated with developing and running programs, and we humbly ask for your support, especially if our messages have touched your heart or you believe they will touch the hearts of other people. We ask that you first pray about how God wants you to proceed. And then, if you feel led, help us focus on building the kingdom of God. If you are a Christian and you are not tithing anywhere, please consider tithing to us or consider gifting to us, however God leads. Remember, the money you have is God's money that He blessed you with to manage and to be a good steward. The money you tithe and gift to us builds the ministry of Crossroads Christian Fellowship and the International College for Christian Studies. The more financial support we receive, the more people we can reach. You can make this monthly contribution or one-time gift through PayPal by going to donationforchurch.com. You can also find other ways to donate on that webpage. Thank you in advance for your support and may God bless you.
friends, I sincerely hope that you are already a follower of Jesus. But if you are not, you need to know that the Bible makes it absolutely clear that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We are all sinners and we all need Jesus. None of us can do it on our own. When we die, we will either go to heaven or to hell. But the ability to spend eternity in heaven is a free gift from God. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because he loved us so much, Jesus paid the penalty of death for our sins. He paid the price with his own blood, which means that we don't have to. That gift is free, and to receive it, all you have to do is recognize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Confess your sins to God, repent of your sins, in other words, you have to turn away from them, and turn your life over to Jesus, asking Him and allowing Him to be the Lord of your life. Remember, just because you repent and make Jesus your Lord does not mean you will instantly become perfect. But you do need to strive to model your life after Jesus. There are no magic formulas or special prayers to become a Christian. Just make it known to God. Just tell Him. He knows what's in your heart. Now, if you've made the decision to dedicate your life to Christ, which is often referred to as being born again, or if you've made the decision to rededicate your life to Christ, please let us know. Go to IamSavedByJesus.com and tell us about your decision. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to know if we can help you along the way. If you haven't made that decision yet, please pray about it, and we'll pray for you too if you let us know. This is the most important decision you can ever make in your entire life. It only takes a few seconds to decide, but the ramifications of your choice are literally eternal. Take it seriously. Remember, go to IamSavedByJesus.com, and we look forward to hearing from you. God bless. Well, it's almost time to go. Thank you for sharing this time with us. We are praying regularly for you and ask that you do the same for us. Until we come together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. Go now into the world and serve the Lord. Amen.